We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and joining me today is a special guest, my sister-in-law, Lena. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Of course. People won't know this, but uh, we had a little bit of a recording kerfuffle. (laughs) So this is our second attempt at this episode, but if you're like me and you have a goldfish memory, I'm sure this will be. <laughs> <laughs> I've already wiped it from my brain. I'm going to bring the same energy and amusement and excitement about this story. The kerfuffle was my fault. Let me you know. <laughs> it was a weird computer glitch that neither of us could figure yeah. out. So yeah. it is what it is. But We tried. We tried. We're very smart women and we tried. And it's, it's really neither of our faults. Live somewhere in the ether. <laughs> just to be forgotten somewhere someday it may turn up and we'll all laugh about it at some point right a, little, <laughs> a pleasant surprise yep maybe it can be a fun bonus thing that we've come up with yeah later. yeah but <sighs> yes so lena is a special guest because this episode is a fun birthday gift that i put together and then <laughs> it probably won't be as fun by the end of it but uh <laughs> It's certainly a unique birthday gift. We'll just say that. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be here and to go on this crime journey with you. And I do think it's fun for me. Not fun for the victims, but fun for me today. Yeah. So this week, we are going to be discussing a lovely woman named Mary Piercy. And she is a treat. Never heard of her before. <laughs> no idea who she is. <laughs> Coming in blind. All right. So information was pulled from the following sources, a 2021 All That's Interesting article by Genevieve Carlton, a 2016 Jack the Ripper tour article by Richard Jones. So that kind of gives you a hint. Mm-hmm. An 1890 Newcastle Weekly Courant article, an 1890 The Standard article, an 1890 The Western Daily Press article. So you have an idea of the year now. Capital Punishment UK article, Casebook Jack the Ripper article three different genie.com links, history mysteries article by Doug McGowan, and Murderpedia. Mm. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. It sounds like I went super deep in this, but really it's... (laughs) I do appreciate a robust research phase, so I do appreciate the effort. Yeah. Yeah, it's something where, A, I'm getting my money's worth with my newspapers.com subscription. (laughs) You can sponsor us anytime if you are interested in newspapers.com. I know you're listening. And there isn't a whole lot of information about her. So that's kind of why I had to go to a bunch of different sources. But Mm -hmm. anyway, we'll get into it. Okay, I'm ready. Mary Eleanor Wheeler was born March 26th, 1866 in Kent, England, to parents James Whitford Wheeler and Charlotte Ann Wheeler. Mm -hmm. And like many poor women of the day. Little is known of her childhood, but we do know that she was the oldest of six children. So her younger siblings were Amelia Elizabeth, 
who was born in 1868, and she passed away a few years later at, in 1871. Oh, sad. It didn't say what she passed from, but I mean, the mortality rate was really high yeah. at that point in history, so it could have been anything. Right. Okay. And then Charlotte Amy, who was born in 1871, mm -hmm. James John Henry, who was born in 1872, Charles Thomas William, who was born in 1875, and John. <laughs> <laughs> they just ran out of names. Yep. They're like, you don't, you don't get any middle names, sorry. And he was born in yeah. 1879. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I'm one of six as well. So I'm yeah. already seeing some parallels. <laughs> Hopefully not too many after this. <laughs> yeah. So Mary would go on to change her name to Mary Piercy after her relationship mm -hmm. with a young man named John Charles Piercy, who was a okay. local carpenter. John mm -hmm. was 17 when he met Mary, who at the time had been working at a sealskin factory. Gross. <laughs> I have never heard of that before, and it sounds disgusting. And it does. I have no idea what they made there. I couldn't really find a whole lot of details online, which is great because I didn't want a whole lot of details. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's like furs or something or pelts or yeah. know, poor things. Poor yeah. things. Yeah. Gross. But anyway, the pair never officially married, but Mary went by the last name of Piercy the rest of her life. So so they met when he was 17. Does it say how old she was? I think she was around the same age. Okay. Okay. I don't I don't think she was necessarily like a whole lot older than him if she mm -hmm. was older than him cuz I couldn't find a birth date for him. Oh. But based off the timeline of mm -hmm. how things progressed, I would imagine she was around the same age, like okay. give or take a year or two. Okay. Got it. Mary was described as 5 feet 6 inches tall with russet colored hair and blue eyes. Mm. She has also been described as having a very strong physique. <laughs> I think we all know what that means. <laughs> she was thick. She was thick. She was totally swole. <laughs> I feel like whenever people have to use like a tuber as an adjective, they're probably not very pretty looking. <laughs> she had potato hair and she was a stout, hearty lass. Hardy lass, hardy mm -hmm. English stock. I will say tangent. So my friend and I went to Scotland and we went to this old bookstore, Leakey's in Inverness. Shout out Leakey's. And she found this book of like vulgar sayings, mm -hmm. naturally bought it. And there was one in there of fusty lugs. And when you describe Mary Piercy, that's what comes to mind. And I think the listener should Google fusty lugs. And they will have a treat. <laughs> like, that's what I'm imagining would apply to Miss Mary Piercy. Awesome. I'm going to have to Google that when we're done. Yeah. And I'll probably yeah. have a good chuckle about Please it. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Fusty Lugs. Yes. L U G G S. Lugs. Okay. Double G's. All right. Yes. <laughs> it's apropos when she's <laughs> Let me just say that. Mary was said to have suffered from depression, don't we all, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. was thing. also quite fond of drinking heavily. Mm, same also. <laughs> keeping, keeping the familiar theme going. <laughs> but like in moderation. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Other than a brief mention of working at the, the sealskin factory, it appears that she didn't actually work for a living. 
and instead spent her time in the company of wealthy men. Mm, goals. So like a sugar baby situation. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. John and Mary's relationship didn't stand up against Mary's numerous affairs. Mm, mm-hmm. And after five years together, John kicked her out and she started a new relationship with a man named Frank Samuel Hogg around Christmas 1888. Frank Hogg. Well, okay, so we know that Mary didn't work that much, but Mm -hmm. what did John do? Does it say anywhere what he did? Carpenter. He was a a carpenter. Okay. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. So she was having affairs with wealthy men. He's like, you need to go. She's like, all right. And then she met this Frank. Yep. Hogg. Frank Hogg. Frank Hogg. With, okay. with, with two G's. <laughs> Keeping the double G theme. <laughs> Her relationship with Frank, who was a furniture remover. Hmm. So I don't know if that means like a repo man. Yeah. Or like a magician. <laughs> Someone makes furniture go away. Or okay. if that was like an old term for someone who worked for like a moving company, like a furniture right. moving company. It's. Right. I don't quite know. There was a furniture remover, and then there's also a furniture replacer, and then you have two ends of that career. I'm on the taking away side. (laughs) Right. I'm on the giving it back side. Okay. Okay. So their relationship seemed to be a bit more relaxed compared to her relationship with John, and it probably has something to do with the fact that they both regularly had affairs. Okay. And did they each know? Like, was it an open marriage situation, like a little E&M happening, Polly? I think it was more of a, they weren't quite aware that each other was cheating on each other. But at the same time, if she had been seeing a bunch of like wealthy men for a while, like on the side, it's entirely possible that they both were aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it might have been a Polly situation. I'm not quite sure. But, or like a look the other way or like yeah. don't ask don't tell like it's fine okay okay one of those situations where it's like yeah you can be with other people but we're still gonna like come back to each other like right i don't want to hear about it yep yeah also i feel like in the 1800s that kind of lifestyle like i just think of stds like what i don't know yeah i feel like that would have been really atypical given how like straight-laced victorians society Mm -hmm. was at the time like Mm -hmm. that would have been like kind of taboo to have that sort of relationship yeah Yeah. but i mean if it worked for them you know no judgment here yeah not gonna kink shame if that's your thing right interesting okay okay yeah so the pair have been together for about a year before Mm -hmm. frank was forced to tell mary about his dalliances when he impregnated a woman named phoebe styles of course of course frank would do that yep and not only that but he had decided to marry her as well oh boy so okay so mary also has all of these dalliances do Mm -hmm. we know like had she ever gotten pregnant was she not able to get pregnant if she did get pregnant there is no mention of her okay having children or getting rid of potential children okay okay i didn't interesting yeah, so nothing came up in my research about any sort of offspring, potential Con- or maybe I'm confirmed. I don't know. I, yeah. This is the first time I'm hearing the story, so I'm <laughs> what's going to happen here. <laughs> Who's to say? Okay, Who's to okay say? So, 
Frank and Phoebe pregnant. He's going to marry her. Yep. Okay. Which, as you can imagine, Mary was not very keen on this bit of news. Right. Right. Rightly so. But Frank had a solution to that. They could continue to have sex even after he married Phoebe. Mm, what a nice guy. Cool. Yeah. Little FWB situation. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to let this marriage stand in the way of our... <laughs> Extramarital fucking. <laughs> yeah, you like, know. we're just going to keep it going, like, old times. And surprisingly, Mary seemed to be okay with this arrangement. Which, again, if that works for you, cool. Like... <sighs> That is interesting because it goes back to, so she had the time in the sealskin factory, but if she didn't really work and she didn't marry for, you know, financial security or whatever people did during that time of like, this is just what you do. You get married. Why, why did she keep going back to Frank? Like, why was that? Why was she okay with that? Especially if she's had these other wealthy suitors, like why would she? Yeah. It's like, what did he provide for her? Where she was the like, I, I need to be with this guy. Right. Like, does she actually love him? Or... Right. Was there love? And then he felt an obligation to marry Phoebe because of the baby. But he was like, I still love you. Let's still bone. Yeah. Because I think, okay. based off what I saw in my research, I feel like Phoebe was from a more like well-to-do type of family. Where it okay. was a situation where like she would have been ostracized and if she had not gotten married while pregnant so okay okay so it's a whole like out of wedlock thing and it would have been a societal scandal type thing yeah okay yeah so i think that had a little bit of something to do with it too okay okay meanwhile mary was able to secure lodgings for herself thanks to a wealthy paramour named (laughs) of course yep charles crichton who rented okay. two Priory Street in Kentish Town, North London for her. Nice. Mary would continue her affair with Frank by leaving a light on in her window to let him know that she was free. So <laughs> she would like put a candle in the window, kind of like Paul Revere. Like, I'm here. Yeah. Come on over. The British are coming. <laughs> so that's almost, that's like the olden days, like you up text. Yeah. I've never gotten one of those or said one of those. I will I like, I just have heard. And then it's kind of interesting too, to have such a visible cue. To yeah. Somebody. Not that everyone knows like, Oh, if you leave a light on your whore looking for a booty call. Yeah. That is interesting to me. Okay. Yeah. So then he must've lived not very far. Yeah. So Frank who lived just six houses down from her oh, okay. and had a key to her place could just come and go as he pleased. Nice. Once that candle was lit, if he was like, yeah, sure, I'm going to come over and get some. Man, he really got made. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. Phoebe (laughs) gave birth to her and Frank's daughter, who they named Phoebe Hanslope Hogg. What a name. (laughs) Hanslope. Okay. Hanslope. On April 11th, 1889. And they referred to her as Tiggy for short, which is kind of cute. That's cute. So when you do research, how do you find out those fun little factoids? Was it in the newspaper? So that was actually on genie.com. So like a genealogy site. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. So following the birth, Mary decided that she really was no longer okay with being the other woman. Mm. She wanted Frank to herself and Mm -hmm. she had a plan on how to make that happen. Oh, boy. 
I like how like the birth of a child is her her line that can't be crossed. It's like, okay, yeah. well now I'm not okay with this. Yeah, like I was okay with it while she was pregnant, but now that there's right. a kid in the picture, not so much. Yeah. Maybe it became real for her or something. Like, oh, okay, like all hope is lost of getting the hog back. I wonder too if it was like he was home a lot more because now he's got a child and he's spending more time right. with his kid. Right. You know, that candle maybe. is burning and no one's coming. The ledge is just covered in spent wax <laughs> and right. there's no hope. <laughs> there's no all hope is lost. That would get really sad. Like you're lighting the candle, you're getting ready for a little hookup and then nobody shows up. Yeah. That has yeah. happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Many times. She's just a candle in the wind. And <laughs> right. I've got the candles going. Every freaking window in my house has a candle in it. Yep. Right? You know, it's like a, I have a freaking fire hazard going on right now, and no one is coming up to put out no this one. fire. No one is blowing out the flame. Yeah, I'd yes, be a little pissed too. Yeah, I get it, Mary. You get it so far. Yeah. So Mary invited Phoebe and her newborn daughter to her home for a spot of tea on october 24th 1890 oh boy okay later that afternoon the sounds of screams breaking glass and general pandemonium were heard by the neighbors coming from mary's house mm-hmm. okay one concerned neighbor even ran up to the fence and called over to mary to see if she needed help but received no response Mary's house was quiet again until nightfall. So it was like all this activity and noise, chaos, and then just silence. So I don't know how like the emergency response teams, companies worked back then, but for a neighbor to just stand by the fence and be like, hey, are you okay? And then nothing, like no other, no one went to check on the house. No one was like, hey, someone, something's really wrong. It was just kind of like, oh, it's just Mary. She's probably fine. Yeah. Well, and it's like, did people maybe assume because I don't know how many men came and went from her home if she had all these right. like wealthy suitors. Right. Did maybe they assume it was like some sort of, I don't know, like weird sex Role game thing going on over <laughs> there? Like, like right. who, who knows? Like, yeah. Yeah. And if she drank a lot or if, you know, if she was like a thick woman. maybe there's just speaking as a thick woman myself maybe there's just noises that happen that she's just going about her day and who knows maybe she was moving a bunch of furniture around and if she dropped it and it fell on her foot she's screaming and who's to say that's why you need furniture replacers because you need the professionals (laughs) to come in you need the furniture remover to come over and be like you want this over here okay move it and then the replacer comes and then moves it back okay yep. so lots of screaming was heard the neighbors like hey yo mary you're okay but didn't no one else went to the home or knocked on the door okay all right so around seven that night the body of a young woman was found tossed on the pavement near a trash pile in hampstead her face hidden underneath a cardigan jacket oh boy and she had sustained head wounds and her throat had been deeply slashed open, nearly decapitating her. Oh my god, that's disgusting. So wait, how far away was her body from where Mary lives? Like around a mile or so. Okay, so wa- within walking distance. Within walking distance, but like not 
the back alley behind her house. Right, right. Not, okay, okay. Covered with a cardigan. It's a foolproof plan to disguise the identity of someone. <laughs> Throw a sweater over the face. <laughs> no one will ever know. No one will know. Okay. And the following okay. day, the body of a smothered baby was found in Finchley. Oh. And which, yeah, that's really sad. That is sad. And it didn't take authorities long to identify the pair as 32-year-old Phoebe Hogg and her mm. 18-month-old daughter, Tiggy. So sad. And they were not found in the same place. Nope, they were in different locations. Okay. It's utterly macabre. Yeah, it's a little a little strange that you would dump the bodies. I mean, maybe it was in an effort to like throw people off the scent like, oh, mm. this woman's by herself. Obviously, it's not this woman that's gone missing with her baby. And then... And she has a cardigan over her head, so... We don't even know who she is. Great job, me. (laughs) Okay. And then also... And then, like, here's some random baby somewhere. Like, we don't know who this baby is. Oh. Were people that dumb? I don't know. Also, so if Phoebe's 32, I feel like that's really late in life to have a baby in the Victorian times. So was she considered like an older woman by those standards too? And like to have her first baby at that age? Yeah. So that most women in that period of time would have been married before the age of 20. Okay. Otherwise you would have been kind of considered a spinster. And if you weren't married, weren't married after the age of 25, you were considered a thornback, which is like even worse. I mean, no shame to Thornbacks. I'm a Thornback and a spinster and everything else you can find in the book. But that is very cruel. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people would have had multiple children before the age of 32. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, it was a little unusual to have your first child at the age of 32. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that was her first child. Who knows? Yep. It's, that's all we know mm-hmm. is that that was her first child. Okay. Okay, so body covered by a sweater. <laughs> Baby found further away in a different location. Yep. All on the same day. So the so Phoebe was found later the night of the murder. The, okay. That evening. Okay. And then the baby wasn't discovered until the following day. Okay, got it. Which, oh, I mean, so kind of makes sense because she wasn't in the yeah. same location. She's right. much, much smaller. So it might right. be harder to discover her, you know. Was she covered by a cardigan jacket or not? I don't believe she was. I didn't see, I didn't read that she was covered by a cardigan. I feel like that would be some kind of calling card. Yeah. Like, oh, the killer covered the bodies of the cashmere J. Crew cardigan. The, the cardigan killer. Yeah. Ooh. There you go. I don't know what I'm going to do with that information, but that's a good. You're welcome for the branding, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> After the fact. Cardigan killer TM. Would you be surprised if I were to tell you that the police almost immediately suspected that it was Mary? So I would be surprised because I feel like unless she had some kind of reputation, so we know that she was, she struggled with depression and she liked to drink. There's nothing wrong with either of those two things. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like in that time period, if the first instinct would be like, oh, it must have been this woman. Mm-hmm. I feel like, especially with everything else going on, they would have looked to like Jack the Ripper or to other suspects. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that they were like, oh, this is Mary. So upon entering her home, quote, he, Inspector Bannister, 
found blood stains everywhere in one room. There were two large knives bloodstained and also a very heavy poker. Two panes of glass were broken from the inside, and the walls and windows and ceilings were very much bespattered with blood. Oh, that's gross. A rug, too, was saturated with blood, while an apron, which appeared to have been recently washed, was also stained. A rough box and a bundle of wood lying beside it were also bloodstained. Both doors had stains of blood on them, and there were spots of blood on the floor. End quote. Oh, that sounds messy and yeah. excessive. When asked, Mary told authorities that the blood was a result of her killing mice and suffering <laughs> from a particularly violent <laughs> nosebleed. Oh my gosh. Like a, like a, shoots like a laser out of her nose. <laughs> and then how do you kill mice that produce, like that would produce so much blood? Yeah. She's it's just like, like whipping them at the doors. Like, just like angry. <laughs> it's like, was she like the Pied Piper and she had all these mice in her house and she was right. like, I know what to do. I'm just going to like throw them willy nilly around the place, stab them with knives. And the poker. <laughs> she needs to contact that wealthy benefactor who leased her that place and be like, yo. There's a rodent issue. My drapes are blood spattered. Yep. There is blood everywhere. I'm not giving you my security deposit. (laughs) (laughs) You're not getting the security deposit back. No. No, this is unacceptable. And also, like, a forceful nosebleed. So I get nosebleeds. I've never had one that's, like, uncontrollable spray coming from my orifices. (laughs) That would have to be an insane volume. And, like, how would you get it all over the walls? Are you, right. like, tipping your head back and, like, shaking your head back and forth in front <laughs> of the walls? Dancing. You're like, fuck my life. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I've heard insane. that if I, like, spin in a circle while I have a nosebleed, it'll just well, it'll make Victorian it go away. Times. I mean. They I'm still use leeches and stuff, so who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that is, like, you'd have to actively not be trying to stop your nosebleed, which goes yeah. against everything I've ever yeah so obviously no one was buying it and she was quickly arrested on october 25th 1890 so the day after the murders had taken place okay and it didn't help her case at all that she had also been wearing the wedding ring that had been stolen off of Mm. phoebe's corpse so she's like flaunting it, like daring someone to catch yep. her. That's really interesting. So she presumably maybe was in love with Frank. Mm-hmm. He was with Phoebe and this newborn baby, which I still don't know why Phoebe would go to her house for tea, yeah. knowing the history. Like, that's odd. And then she must have known having murdered these people, like she wouldn't get what she wanted. Yeah. So it was almost like a big, like, fuck you to Frank then. Like, I can't have you. I'm going to take everything from you that you love. Yeah. And I'm going to keep the wedding ring. (laughs) Which, okay, but why wear it? Why would you wear it? That's a a mistake. Yeah. Don't wear it. Sell it or something. Okay. During the (laughs) postmortem that was conducted by Dr. A.J. Pepper on Phoebe Hogg, it was Mm -hmm. noted, quote, The principal injuries were to the head, the throat, and the skull was smashed at the back of the head on the left side. Oh my god. Okay. The bone was broken to pieces, and two or three pieces had penetrated the brain. Oh. There were three scalp wounds corresponding with the fractures. There seemed to have been at least three blows dealt to cause them. He believed, judging from the profuse hemorrhage, 
that the blows were inflicted during life. The wound mm. in the neck divided everything except the skin and muscles at the back oh of the neck. Oh, gross. Yeah. Okay, so she could have been hit on the back of the head from behind. Mm-hmm. She was trying to, like, I don't know, knock her unconscious or kill her mm-hmm. with a poker or a, mo- a mouse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. And then, did it say, like, was her throat sliced after, like, postmortem or as part of this whole activity? I think it was during the activity. Also- oh, God. Because it, it continued, a very sharp knife alone could have inflicted mm-hmm. the wound. And it must, too, have been used with great force. The poker produced could have caused a fracture on the skull. The woman must have struggled while the blows were being inflicted. Scarcely any blood remained in the body. Ew. The wounds at the back of the head must have been inflicted from behind while standing. Mm. End quote. Okay. Okay. So our girl Phoebe is just drinking tea having snacks and then Mary attacks her in the back. Yeah. So I'm assuming she like, maybe she got up to go use the the wash closet or whatever. And Mm -hmm. Mary was like, now's my chance and just grabbed the poker Mm -hmm. and just whacked her in the back of the head. So poker, like a fireplace poker. Yeah. Like a a metal. Yeah. Like a heavy metal poker. Oh yeah. And then the baby's there. Yeah. Oh, Okay. This is sad. Yeah. The case against Mary was, no pun intended, but a no-brainer. And (laughs) she was tried at the Central Criminal Court of the Old Bailey on December 1st, 1890. It was brought into evidence that Mary had been seen the evening of the murder pushing a pram, which is Mm -hmm. an old-fashioned baby stroller, Mm -hmm. with a large object in it that made it difficult for her to push. It is believed that she used Tiggy's pram to transport the body of Phoebe to the location where she dumped it. And as if that wasn't bad enough, it's believed that Tiggy had been smothered during the process of this transport after being trapped under her mother's body. Okay. Baby is alive in the pram. Mary puts the body on top and takes it to wherever she needs to take it. Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is evil, but that's like a next level. That's like an added level of... Like, why? Baby didn't do anything. I mean, Phoebe presumably didn't do anything either. So, of course, it's it's all around awful. But that is just, like, yeah, evil. During the trial, Mary's former lover, John, noted that the cardigan that had hidden Phoebe's face was one that he had previously owned that Mary had taken after their separation. What a bitch. His cardigan, but that's interesting that he was brought into the trial. I'm sure it was something where they were doing like perhaps a a character witness or to see if like she'd been violent in the past, Mm -hmm. if there was like you know any history of violence Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Several letters that Mary had written to Frank were also brought into evidence that expressed her deep love for him even after he'd married Phoebe. Okay, so it's like an unrequited love situation. Yeah. And she, it just made her go crazy. I mean, not that unrequited love is a reason to like go crazy. I've had plenty of unrequited loves in my life. I've never wanted to murder somebody. Yeah. But if that was also involved and then you have the depression, 
the heavy Again, drinking that, that would drive you to kill anybody but it seems like there are a lot of factors at play of like she just got pushed over the edge or something yeah that was she thought that was the best solution yeah oh that's sad yeah the trial lasted three days and it only took the jury 52 minutes to convict her of the willful murder of mrs phoebe hogg and her daughter oh several attempts were made to change the sentence to that of imprisonment Mm-hmm. And she was urged by her counsel to claim insanity for the crimes, but she refused to do that. She was like, no, I was perfectly sane when I did this. I don't want people to think of me as this insane person that just went crazy or. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So if she would have claimed insanity, I'm assuming it would have somehow lessened the sentence or she would have been, you know, went to an insane asylum or whatever they had back in the day instead of prison and death. Yes. Yeah, she would have been sent to an insane asylum. And uh, spoiler alert, those were not the best places to be sent. So yeah, I've seen ghost adventures. Yeah. So honestly, (laughs) I kind of, I probably would have chosen death too, to be honest. Yeah. Rather than going to an insane asylum. Yeah. Okay. And then... In your research, was Frank at the, I assume, was he at the trial as well? Like, did you yes. see him? Okay. Yes. Interesting. An article in the December 24th, 1890 edition of the London Standard noted the following event taking place prior to Mary's execution. Quote, the convict was in expectation of a visit from Frank Hogg on Monday afternoon, the day before mm-hmm. her execution, mm-hmm. but he did not reach the jail. When the time for his visit had passed, the prisoner became greatly depressed, and it was evident that she had built a great deal upon the hope of parting from him. She threw herself on her bed and sobbed violently, covering her face with her hands, end quote. Oh, I mean, not that I have empathy for killers and killers yeah. of babies. Yeah. But it's like, it's just sad all around. And to think she was like, okay this is fine. Like I'm going to die, but I get to see the man that I love. And also like, no man is that great. Like, let's be real. Like what was Frank doing? That was so great that she would like give her her life for it and and take two other people's lives for Frank Hogg, the furniture remover. You know what I mean? He wasn't like anyone great. Maybe he was a kind man. Maybe he did the dishes and swept out the trash. (laughs) Right. But like, why like oh it's just yeah feelings and emotions man yeah get all up in there on the day of mary's execution she was quoted as saying to executioner james barry quote my sentence is a just one but a good deal of the evidence against me was false end quote interesting kind of an interesting and cryptic thing to say as you're heading to the gallows so she so she's like, yeah, I deserve to die, but the evidence you have is false. Yeah. Or some of it. Or it's not all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Mary was executed at Newgate Prison via hanging at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, December 23rd, 1890, just two months after committing the murders. She was 24 years old at the time of her death. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I don't know why. I was like picturing older like yeah. 40s 50s just given if she was never married she had all these different lovers she had that one relationship with john piercy stole his name and his yeah. cardigan and then the relationship with frank like 24 so young yeah 
I was shocked when I found out how young she was. Yeah. Especially if yeah. you see pictures of her, she looks kind of rough. But it was yeah, rough times back then. So. Oh boy. She's interred somewhere beneath the pavement inside the jail. So she's actually buried within the jail. Oh. I wonder how many people just get buried in like, you know, after executions. I think it was pretty common if you didn't have any family that would claim you. Right. They would right. just be like, "Okay, Popper's grave. Here you go." Just kind of um, Where are her five brothers and sisters? I don't know. I do know that her mother and one of her sisters did come to visit her at prison before okay. she was executed. Okay. And she like swore up and down to her mom. She's like, I'm not crazy. Yes, I did this and it's awful, mm. but I'm not crazy. Like she really wanted her family to know like she wasn't insane. She wasn't this crazy woman. Yep. I mean, I don't know which is better. Like, no, I'm yeah. a calculating murderous woman or no, yeah. I have mental health issues <laughs> yeah okay if my if i killed somebody and my family was just like yeah you can bury her under the concrete somewhere that would hurt my feelings yeah <laughs> well, I would I, want, like i don't know just some sort of like you mattered you crazy weirdo not crazy but. yeah again like i we didn't know much about her family maybe they couldn't yeah. afford to give her a funeral and right. they were and they were like family. well you know just bury her at the jail, I guess, you know, yeah. or maybe they or maybe were that so was part of the punishment or something. Like if you were a murderous bitch, you don't get to have like, you know, a nice a funeral burial or, a, you know, buried in the cemetery or anything. And maybe a church didn't want, I don't mean, I don't know that I, yeah. I would go into that and dig into that a little bit and figure that out. Cause it's interesting. Maybe it was something too, where it was like just the shame of what she right. had done and right. they were just like, we don't want to be associated with this. We're not going to have you in our family plot. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just, we're, we're going to pretend this never happened and just sweep it under the rug. And yeah, yeah. Which, who knows? I mean, least of their worries. Yeah. Well, two people and a baby. Yeah. So I get it. I do get it. But it is just kind of like, what a, like, that was her life. What an awful ending to yeah. what could have been a really good life. I don't know. Yeah. Wealthy men and. Yeah, having your house paid for well, and free, free lodging. Yeah, all the candles you want, I guess. Right. <laughs> so Are many candles from Frank Hogg. Yep. <sighs> so Man. it doesn't stop there. Oh, okay. Prior to her death, Mary granted an interview to a man named Mister Freck Palmer, at which time she gave him a piece of paper that she wished to have run as an advertisement in the papers in Madrid, Spain. The copy of the ad read as follows, quote, M-E-C-P, last wish of M-E-W, have not betrayed, end quote. What? Yeah. That's all it said. That's all it said. And it was for an ad for a newspaper in Madrid. Yes. And, and she was living in England. Right. So no type of cipher... Or clue was left as to what it meant, but some believe that the letters M-E-C-P mm -hmm. is an abbreviation for Mary Eleanor Charles Piercy, which mm, makes sense, okay. mm -hmm. and that M-E-W is in fact her maiden name, so Mary Eleanor Wheeler. But that doesn't really explain the rest of it, like the yeah. have not betrayed and, part of it. And if it's 
last wishes M-E-W. So it's M-E-W's last wishes, right? So yeah. is the note for M-E-C-P or is the yeah. note for M-E-W and why Madrid? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like how small was the world back then? Like if you were in England, I'm assuming because everything was like British Empire, Spanish Empire, like you would know of Madrid, like you would know of all the other different towns and stuff. But yep. what was her connection? Yeah. To Spain. I, That's so weird. Yeah. So Mary's name pretty much faded into obscurity until an mm. author by the name of William Stewart suggested in 1939 that she was Jack the Ripper. Mm. Hence, hence the Ripper connection. Okay. His reasoning was that the wound she inflicted on Phoebe's throat was similar mm. to what was done to the Ripper victims. Others who mirror this theory state that if a woman was seen wandering around Whitechapel in the wee hours of the night with mm-hmm. blood on her clothes, mm-hmm. no one would think anything of it and just assume that she was a midwife. Oh, okay. Because if you think about it, it was yeah. like a, a seedier area. You know, mm-hmm. so obviously sex workers were in that area. Not all mm-hmm. people were sex workers, but a majority of them were sex workers. Okay. Okay. You know, maybe mm-hmm. taking care of business so they're not having children, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it makes sense as a theory. Mm-hmm. And even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was said to have put mm-hmm. some validity into her being the real deal. Interesting. But wait, so she was seen though pushing the pram. Like, did no one put together, like, hey, that looks like a body in that tiny pram? Or they didn't question it because it was late at night. It's just like, oh, that's just a woman. She's harmless. Going I don't know. Business. She just has a very large baby. We're not going to bring attention to it. Or she did a lot of shopping and she's using the right. baby stroller to, like, transport all of her packages. Like, oh. I don't know. And wasn't there blood? Like, a little cardigan's not going to cover up. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. But a yeah. mystery always has yeah. a lot of questions. So not only that, but as we mentioned, she was strong. I mean, she nearly Mm -hmm. beheaded Phoebe. And Mm -hmm. some even wonder if the letters M-E-C-P could be in reference to the four Ripper victims. So it was Mary Mm -hmm. Jane Kelly, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Polly Nichols. Ooh, that is interesting because you said that she kept John's last name. I mean, I don't know how far back this all goes, but could she have been that calculating to make sure her initials matched up? I don't know. It's just weird that her initials match the names of the Jack the Ripper victims. Mm-hmm. Are they in the same order? Like, did they die in the same order as what her initials are? Or was that just, it was just the first initial? I can't remember because I'm not okay. as familiar with the Ripper case as I could be, but. I'm going to take that as an action item and look it up because okay. now I'm intrigued about the the ad in the Madrid newspaper and what it can yep. mean. So if this is true, by placing an ad in a paper, especially in Spain, yeah. to some extent that would denote that she has some form of accomplice, right? Right, right. There's so much, That message was for someone that she couldn't send the note directly to mm-hmm. because it would implicate them. Yep. And in theory, she doesn't have family or connections there. Yep. So maybe that person got out of the country did their thing and was like i'm gonna go to madrid spain where i can hide out and no one knows that right and then she would have known they must have arranged it ahead of time if there was this accomplice that like hey if any of us if either one of us ever gets captured mom's the word 
Yeah, or put it in an ad in a newspaper. Like, yeah. Super cryptic. That's still interesting, though, because she talked to a reporter, right? Yep. To place that. I wonder yeah. if the reporter, like, I'm sure they did digging to figure out, like, what is this all about? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So in 2006, Australian scientist Ian Findlay conducted DNA tests on saliva samples that had been painstakingly taken from the backs of the stamps connected to the Ripper letters. Oh. Evidence showed that the stamps were indeed placed there by a woman. That is interesting that they could pull that information. Yep. From like a 200-year-old stamp. Not 200, but... Yeah. 130 years. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was not enough DNA material to be able to find like an exact match as far as genealogy mm. is concerned. They were only really able to to prove this is a woman mm -hmm. which is still really cool that is really interesting and then it's like okay if let's say it was jack the ripper was more than one person it was a coordinated whatever it could have been a man and a woman it could have been two yep. women yep it could have been like the secretary looking the stamps poor poor lady <laughs> like, yep it's so interesting and then even that there was enough integrity in the stamps and the letters to pull that yep wow yeah so as an interesting side note, while Mary was being tried, Madame Tussaud, for people who are unfamiliar with Madame Tussaud, she does all the wax figures. She's mm -hmm. famously known for all these wax figurines of like mm -hmm. important famous people. Yeah. Beyonce. Obama. <laughs> it is what it is. JT. Presidents. Yep. 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 She secured several of the items that had been mentioned during Mary's trial. Mm. The following is an excerpt from the Lloyd's Weekly newspaper that kind of details out what she got possession of. Okay. Now, did she buy these things or how did she get them? I suppose the chain of evidence back then wasn't... I think she just bought them. I think it was something okay. where they were like, well, we don't need all of this stuff for evidence. Trials because yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and it would have gotten thrown out anyway. No one's going to want to keep yeah. murder furniture. <laughs> I mean... I mean, nowadays people would, but... Yeah, yeah. So, okay. quote, all the furniture from the prisoner's lodging has been secured by Madame Tussauds, together with every object of interest made prominent at the trial. Already, there has been arranged a facsimile of Mrs. Piercy's sitting room, complete with pictures, couch, and piano. In fact, every detail, even to the lace on the mantel border, being observed. Mrs. Piercy's model figures as the center of the group represented standing up with her hat hanging by a ribbon to her hand. Ew. Adjoining this excellently executed group is the perambulator. That's another word for like a stroller of the pram. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Sold to Messrs. Tussaud by the man Hogg and its fixings, including the nut found, the prisoner's jacket worn on the day of the murder, models of the heads of the victims and the piece of toffee, which the murdered baby had been sucking. <gasps> Wait, there was just like a random nut too? Yeah, so I and I didn't <laughs> find anything about the nut in any of the like trial stuff, so I'm not quite sure what the significance of the nut was. Like if it's something is it, that, was it like a food nut, like a peanut or something, or is yeah, it like bolt from something? Yeah, it was like a food nut. Oh. So I don't know if it's something that like evidence of what they had been snacking on during tea. I don't know. Do you have nuts with tea? 
I don't know. Maybe you have a bowl of nuts sitting out for a guest. My brain just went to tea bagging on a whole other level. That's interesting that they were like, this is valuable enough that we have to have it in the recreation yeah. of the scene and the replication of the replica of the toffee that the baby was that had. Oh, it's just so sad. Yeah. And then preparations are being made to show the kitchen, which is the scene of the murder, mm-hmm. a bedroom, and a tableau representing the Hogg family home, end quote. Oh, that's so morbid. So Frank had actually sold them, like, the, the pram, the, the jacket, and all of that kind of stuff, which to some extent is kind of, like, weird that you're profiting off of your family's murder. Yeah, it is weird. Unless he was just like, I can't look at it. Yeah. But even then, like to sell it to go on display, because I'm yeah. assuming that was the whole point is to make this attraction. Yep. So would you say that the furniture was removed from Frank <laughs> <laughs> and For- replaced somewhere else? It was literally removed. Hopefully he was yeah. not the one that removed it because. I know. I know. That'd be, that'd be gross. Oh, oh, man. I would love to know like what his like state of mind was during this. Yeah. You know, and like, had they had, you never like, what if they had conversations and Mary was like, I'll take her out and then you'll be free. Like how, like maybe they weren't really in love and maybe he resented Phoebe and the baby. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, so interesting. And maybe she was framed and that's what he really wanted. I watched too much Dateline. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbit hole of like, wait a minute. Yeah. Huh. We'll never know. Or maybe it was a thing where he's like, she'll take the fall and then I won't have to worry about either of them or any of them and I can do my own thing. Real bastard move. Does it it say anywhere that like whether he got remarried or anything that happened to him or it was just kind of like after this, he just kind of fades from relevance? I couldn't find anything really that kind of said what happened to him like after all this craziness ended. But yeah, weird. Like, what does that do to your ego? <laughs> like, like, we need another man who thinks really highly of himself. He's probably just like, yeah, man, this woman killed someone this, for me. This woman loved me enough that she murdered my family. Murdered my family. So I'm a catch. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And you won't even make me a sandwich. No, Frank, I won't. <laughs> Frank Hogg. And like, what is the draw there? Like, what was so great about him? Mm-hmm. Which is so interesting to me, like relationships in, de- in general but also ones that end in murder <laughs> like what happened here yeah what's going on so Tussauds was already advertising this macabre exhibit mm-hmm. by the end of december so like the week oh. that she was executed victorians right yep additionally the noose that was used to hang her is on display at the black museum of scotland yard oh that's really dark it was pretty common that they would save the noose and it was something where either people would take sections of it as like a macabre souvenir or it would end up in this mm. instance being like saved, you know, to be displayed. For like a, uh, like why? To show like, hey, don't commit crimes. This is what will happen. Or if they just had a display of like, these are famous people who committed awful crimes. I don't know. Here's the rope. Yeah. Here's the rope we used. I don't know. Ultimately, we may never know if Mary was really the criminal mastermind behind 
one of the most enduring murder mysteries to date as far as being Mm -hmm. Jack the Ripper. But at the end of the day, I mean, anything is possible. We can't discount any sort of involvement on our part. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that the method of murder was so similar to Jack the Ripper and like the intensity and just like the horrificness of it all Mm -hmm. and to be killed in the same manner. And Jack the Ripper only had female victims, right? Yep. Okay. I mean, that would be like the greatest criminal mind of all time. Yeah. Yeah. The whole world, not the whole world, but. A lot of people focusing on we need to find this man because people just assumed that women could never do that. Yep. So you're either like super innocent midwife or you're a crazy witch. Yeah. There's no in between for women. Yeah. Because at this point in history, like women really weren't committing a lot of these like horrible murders with like weapons and stuff. The, the, The weapon of choice, quote unquote, for most women was poison. Because right. it was really easy to like slip into drinks and all this right. stuff. And they were the ones making the food. Yep. So I was kind of like, so if we're like, okay, Phoebe gets this invite to go have tea. Mm-hmm. Why would she go over there? Like they must have been at least kind of friendly or amicable. To, get to Like why would you go to your husband's ex-lover's house? Yeah. So I did read in my research that... Earlier in the year when Mm -hmm. Tiggy was born, so I think back in either January or February, Phoebe had gotten really sick and Mary had nursed her back to health. Whether she, whether she poisoned, yeah, whether she poisoned her in an effort and then was like, oh, look at how good I am taking care of her. Who's to say? Because I didn't see if she had like, you know, one of like yellow fever or anything like it didn't say, but she did take care of her when she was sick. So I'm sure part of her was like, well, she saved my life. Of course, I'm going to go have right. tea with her. She has no I, ill I intentions. Obligated. I wonder if she like tried poisoning her and it didn't work. Cause then it's like, how long was she sick? And like you said, if there's no record of what she was sick from, mm-hmm. we don't really, it could have been legitimate, but I don't know. Nursing someone back to health only to kill them. Why yeah. And bother? it's, and it's something where, so if she nursed her back to health in like February, I mean, she mm-hmm. gave birth a couple months later. Right. And yeah, I just, and yeah. then to wait 18 months right. to kill her, to try it again. You and know then what I, I mean? wonder too, yeah, like what was, what kinds of things is Frank telling Mary? Yeah. You know, I don't think he's innocent in all this. No. Like, even if it was, like, leading her on or being like, oh, just wait until X, Y, Z happens. Yep. I'm a, j- I'm a jaded dater. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, for sure, was telling her things, presumably because of the candle situation. They're only six blocks from each other. He knows that she loves him. Yep. Maybe he wanted this to happen. I yeah. don't know. It's hard to say, you know. Mm. Yeah. Either way, the whole thing is awful. It but, is really awful from start to finish. But yeah. From her russet potato head to <laughs> murdered and being, you know, buried under the jail. Yeah. Sad. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, it's something I never would have asked for, but it's something I truly appreciate and I wouldn't have gotten for myself. So thank you. You're welcome. Who doesn't yeah. love a good murder mystery? I do. 
I was actually falling asleep to Criminal Minds last night, and it was some episode where, I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention because I had taken melatonin, but a phone kept ringing. And I swear there was a phone ringing in the episode at least, like, no less than 40 times. And I got, like, mad because it would wake me up and I'd be angry and then it would stop and I'd go back to sleep and then it would happen again. And I think they were, like, doing negotiations or something like that. Oh. But PSA, if any of your listeners fall asleep to Criminal Minds, there's an episode where Mandy Patinkin is standing over a phone that's ringing, like, 40 times in a row. <laughs> so you're going to want to skip it because it was, like, not conducive to rest and <laughs> falling asleep. Duly noted. Are you ready to launch your new career in coding? Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you. At Treehouse, we've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your goals. When you're done with the course, you haven't just watched a video. You learned, practiced, and absorbed a concept. Or choose to build a portfolio, create a network, and land your dream job with our bootcamp-style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Whatever your goal, we'll get you there. Start your seven-day free trial today by clicking the link in our show notes. Oh, hello. Let me introduce myself. I am John Dotson, and I host The Secret Sits, a true crime podcast. If you're like me, you undoubtedly have quite a few podcasts you listen to on a regular basis. Now, I, for one, love a great chatty podcast with multiple hosts. It can really make you feel like you're just hanging out with some friends. But sometimes you need to chill out and relax while listening to an extraordinary true crime story with no interruptions and just the facts. The Secret Sits strives to push boundaries and present cases in an immersive storytelling atmosphere. I've spent my life working as a director, writer, and performer, and I've been fortunate enough to travel all over the world, creating art through theater, television, and film. Now I'm fervently bringing my passions for true crime cases and the arts to this podcast. Here on The Secret Sits, we cover all types of true crime, from serial killers like Eileen Warnos and Rodney Alcala, to cults, museum heists, mass shootings, or any other cases we find interesting. Every Thursday, immerse yourself into a new episode. You may find yourself in the Aokigahara Forest in Japan, or recounting the Columbine school shooting minute by minute. The Secret Sits podcast is not responsible for any loss of road rage. Calgon taking you away, being more polite in the grocery store, or suddenly becoming an armchair detective. You can find all episodes of The Secret Sits for free on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So this week's podcast plug is the Secret Sits podcast. It's hosted by John Dodson. Uh, and the show dives into, and kind of sticking with our theme, the mysteries behind our favorite criminal cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And John does an amazing job breaking down each case in a quick and concise format that's engaging. And it also begs the question, what secrets drive people to do what they do? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a core theme, I think, of Mary Piercy and Frank. Yeah. And even Phoebe. Like like what what was the tie that binds between all them? Yeah. Besides like this unrequited love in theory. Yeah. Because if they were also having affairs, the two of them, and then Phoebe comes into the picture and she's this high society woman. Yep. So interesting. He needs to do an episode on Mary Piercy. I'll ask him. I'll be like, look, <laughs> listen to my episode and then and then you do a deep dive and figure out yeah, why this happened. And what was so great about Frank Hogg, the furniture remover? Yeah. What did he offer? Yeah. And this week's listener question is from John from the Dumbfound Dead and read it on Wiki Podcasts. And he wants to know, so say you're accused of a crime pre-1900s. Okay. Okay. What crime could you be accused of where your family would be like, oh, yeah, I could see them doing that. Like they wouldn't be surprised (laughs) that you were convicted of this crime. Okay. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of variables. This is a loaded question. Depending on what my place was in society, Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like if I murdered someone during that time, (laughs) my family would assume I had good cause and it was like, you know, Mm -hmm. a just killing. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of like pre 1900s. I mean, who are we kidding? I would be like a spinster, like, I don't know, like weaving something. I feel like I'd be weaving something and then the murder would happen i don't know i don't know and you leave a quilt over their head yeah that's where it was going and it has my initials in it and then i'd be like the quilter killer your signature stitch style (laughs) yeah and then my family would be like no that's her knit and pearl we we recognize that from anywhere that's the lena that's the lena stitch she did it she did it i don't know that's a really good question it's a really good question i mean i'm a rule follower. So I feel like any crime that I would have committed would have shocked my family. Unless it was like stealing a puppy that was hurt. Yep. <laughs> like, you You're know like, what I mean? Like, oh, she rescued an animal that was on private property. You like open the door to the back of the like animal control van, like the guy, the dog <laughs> yes. catcher van, release the yes. dogs into the wild. Yes. That that would be like in Beethoven. That would be what I would be accused of, and my family would be like, "Yeah, she did it, and she'd do it again." Yeah, thousand percent. They all yep. all the dogs live with her now. Yep, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, the dog so maybe sanctuary. Not murder, maybe murder. My my family would be like, "Whoa, what's wrong?" But anything to do with like rescuing animals, freeing animals, taking care of animals, they'd probably be like, "Yeah, liberating animals." Yeah, that would be that would be the crime. Yeah, I can letting see that. seals loose from the seal skin factory. Yep. Opening that door, free willing them all out. You're like ye old PETA, just like, yes. like yeah. championing for all the animals. Right. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. 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 See your family. So we can, this is a good, good check. So what about yeah. you? What crime could you com- commit pre 1900s where your family would not be shocked? Like if someone, if someone did something to like either of my kids, Mm-hmm. And I retaliated against them mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way where it's like either I poisoned them or mm-hmm. I did vigilante justice and like murdered them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would this be something I would macabre. do. This it is. Macabre. But if I was a Victorian lady, I absolutely would do poison. I would not hack anyone to bits. Yeah. I'm not good with blood. So I would definitely poison somebody. 
I'm fine with blood, but like, I don't want to see the inside of a body ever. No. <laughs> Here's some like poison. I don't know which is more evil because poison is like over time and you know you're doing it. It's calculating. I mean, murder by almost decapitating. <laughs> I yeah, don't that's, know. that's rough. I would not be able to do that. Yeah. I don't no, have- I wouldn't either. I don't have the upper body strength for one and I don't have the core strength. I don't have abs. I don't have like muscles in my arms. Really? I have bird bones. I bruise really <laughs> easily. There's a lot of your list of reasons why I could never like physically harm someone. I could yeah. just never do that. Yeah. Just never. I wouldn't be able, I can't even like remove mice from mouse traps. I yeah. can't. And if I see roadkill, I cry. I do too. I, I get upset yeah. when I see roadkill. I do too. Anything that's can't do it. So safe to say, I would probably never murder anybody or anything. I just, I really fingers crossed. Any crimes against children really anger mm. me. So that's yeah. I could see myself retaliating against red. Yeah, against the perpetrator, yeah. and I would feel zero remorse for it because yeah. yeah, you don't mess with kids. Like that's just not no. okay. So, no. and I feel like that would be justifiable. Yeah, rage. In the court of public opinion. And I feel like at that time, too, you probably could get yeah. away with it. Because yeah. people would be like, yeah, you don't mess with kids. Like, right. an eye for an eye. Right. So right. I could be wrong and they could just throw me in an insane asylum if that were the case. But even then, that I feel like it would be too. I feel like it would be justified and I would be okay with it. Back. You could come back and haunt people. Yep. I mean, God forbid we ever find ourselves in either of those situations that we outlined, yep. except for the, the animal saving one. Yep. But it is interesting after hearing about this woman and the people in her life to think like, okay, well, what what would I do in that situation? I mean, I would just move to like Italy or some shit. Mm-hmm. Just be like, okay, he's not into me. Deuces. I'm going to yep. live my life on the Amalfi Coast. Yep. So there must have been something that kept her there. Yep. And then it's like, what would I do? You know? Like, yeah. What would I do if that was me or if I was Phoebe? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Well, now that we've gone dark again, uh, how about we talk <laughs> about something dark. something Super good? Super dark. What's something good yeah. you'd like to share? Um, is there any like parameters or guidelines around the good thing to share? Nope. Whatever you're comfortable so, sharing. I will share that my birthday's coming up. I'm really excited for it. I'll be in town. I was going to say where it's at, but this is going to the public, so I probably shouldn't. (laughs) At a brewery, day drinking, playing board games, having fun with family. Hopefully the weather's nice. But yeah, I love April. I love my birthday week. Yep. Treat yourself. I'm a Taurus, so I'm going to indulge and buy myself nice things. Yep. Yeah. Treat yourself. Something good. Yeah. I live by that. Um, I am really pleased with the fact that we have found a solution for boarding Kona during our Mm. family vacation we have planned for the first Mm -hmm. week in July. Where are you guys going? We're going to go to Yellowstone. Yeah. We're going to road trip to Yellowstone. And so we're going to hit up like a lot of the other national parks in like South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really excited. But so there's a a boarding place near us that does like Mm -hmm. doggy daycare and boarding. Mm -hmm. And so we did a temperament test for her this week to see if they would even take her and she'd be mm-hmm. a good fit there. And she saying pass with flying colors is a weird thing to say, <laughs> but like, no, she, say it. Like, like yeah. she, she got along with all the other dogs. She had fun. Oh, that's awesome. The people who worked there were like, she was such a good girl, you know, good. we're excited to have her back. 
So, yeah. which is really great because she's not socialized the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of pandemic puppies just there was just wasn't as much opportunity to go out and about and you yep. know so i get that i get that i have that with floyd too he's just not as comfortable around people as i would like him to be he warms up eventually but yep yeah so that's really exciting and i plan to that is awesome like keep taking her there like a couple of days a week just to mm-hmm. for one get her exercise but also to like mm-hmm really work on that socialization piece yeah. so then yeah. when we do border for like a week she's not going to be like shell-shocked and be like why right. am i here with all yeah. these dogs yeah that's so. such a good idea she'll make friends i think i travel a lot too and the biggest thing for me is like i i don't want to have to worry about my dogs exactly exactly so i found someone really good up here that takes really good care of them i don't worry at all and it's so nice and they have fun and i know they get tired so that passing that temperament test and having the little notes or people are like, she got along great. Like what a proud dog parent moment. Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, it's something that's been like, you know, weighing on my shoulders, like, Oh my God, yeah. I'm never going to find anybody to, to, to like watch mm-hmm. her. Cause you want, I mean, like you said, you want them to be somewhere where they're safe and they're happy and they're healthy. And, they're and comfortable. Yep. yeah. Where they're not stressed yeah. out the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, that was like a huge weight off my my shoulders to be to like find a place and they're like yeah she's great here Mm -hmm. we're excited to see her again and that just yeah made me feel really good so yeah that's awesome daycare is a good idea she'll make some good friends yeah so and i think they have a facebook page so it'd be cool to like see pictures of her hanging out with her friends and stuff like that so so yeah Yeah. that was that was my good thing this week that's really good yeah congrats to kona yeah i'm proud of my baby <laughs> i'm gonna shut her down you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com we're also on twitter at yieldcrimepod and on facebook and instagram at yieldcrimepodcast we're also on youtube if that's kind of your preferred channel of choice we also have a p.o box if you'd like to send us something in the mail and you can do so at yieldcrimepodcast p.o box 341 wyoming minnesota 55092 it's very lonely and we like receiving mail. So <laughs> my birthday's this week. So if you want to send me something, all you know, all gifts are welcome. Just put yeah. that in there. <laughs> guilt, guilt, guilt. <laughs> right. If you want to email us, you can do so at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Submit your questions and we'll answer them on the show. If you have story suggestions or you just want to say hi, like feel free. And Another great way to support the show, if you'd like to help us out, is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or you can also leave ratings on Spotify now. Mm. And this week's review comes from Apple Podcasts from user Aaron623, and they say, Making historical crimes interesting. Five stars. I stumbled across this podcast, and it is now one of my favorites. I love learning about historical crime while feeling like I'm talking to my girlfriends and not a history lesson. I 100% recommend if you like to laugh and learn at the same time. Thank you so much. Oh, that was really nice. Live, laugh, live, laugh, learn. Yep. I've had fun. I've had fun. So thank you for inviting me as your guest. Yeah. Weird to say fun when we're talking about like murder, infanticide, and murdering yeah. a potato woman. But yeah, I've enjoyed, it. I've enjoyed yeah. it. I love history and learning about this stuff. And I have a list of things I want to Google and look more into. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What a great gift. 
If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Buy Me a Coffee with a, for a one-time donation. You can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar a month to get early ad-free access to all of our content. And you can also purchase our merch on TeePublic or Redbubble. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. I'm Lena. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. <laughs>